You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I am your host, Steph. It is Friday, September 22nd. The 49ers coming off a primetime Thursday night football win over the Giants to improve to 3-0. and Um this is usually my Friday show with Lori. Lori is out enjoying her birthday weekend. Shout out to Lori. Um, so I'm going to do this one solo dolo, but that is all right. And so let's get right into it. I know the agenda for this episode is a little bit different too, because uh, usually on Fridays, we're previewing the upcoming game on Thursday. But of course, I'm going to do things a little bit differently today since the 49ers played last night. So Let's start with some 49ers news right off the bat, all right? John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have both been signed to contract extensions as of earlier today, Friday. And these two have pretty much been joined at the hip since 2017. They were both hired together. John Lynch's contract was set to end after 2024, Kyle's after 2025. As of right now, it is 6.51 right now, uh, Mountain Time, uh, Friday. We don't know how much longer they've been extended for, but we do know it's multi-year. So uh, safe to say that these two are going to be working together for a while longer. And this is great. I mean, this pretty much puts to rest the whole Kyle and John are on the hot seat because of the whole Trey Lance debacle thing. I am very happy to see that narrative die. Um, And it would appear that they're not on the hot seat. In fact, uh, Jed York has offered them to sit on a pile of money, basically. York, the big spender, um, giving these guys a big vote of confidence. You do love to see it, and I think the future is bright in San Francisco. Uh, Melissa says, nice title, Steph. That was a huge win, by the way. That rule should be changed. Eric and Nick should have listed as a sack on failed two-pointer. Who? I agree with you, Melissa. I think that definitely should count as a sack. It, it literally is a sack, but like they, because I guess it's not an actual, I mean, it is still a play. It's like a special teams play, but it's still a play. It should count as a sack. I'm with you. Also think that, uh, that sack, um, that Nick Bosa had should have been a safety, but that's just me. I didn't hear any whistles blow, uh, before Nick brought him into the end zone. So Again, that's just me. I digress. What's going on, Sin? Uh, glad you guys could make it. Um, make sure you put those hashtag 49Ks in the comments so I know that you're here with me on this fine Friday. Thank you for spending your Friday evenings with me. But all right, let's get into some injury updates. Kyle Shanahan did speak with the media earlier today. Um, linebackers Dre Greenlaw and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles both suffered low ankle sprains. They're both day-to-day. Debo Samuel took a hit to the ribs, didn't suffer any breaks or anything. And remember, he did return to the game uh, after that hit where he stayed on the field for a little bit. He went on to score a touchdown after that. It was actually kind of funny because he didn't even like really react to the touchdown. Dude was probably in pain. He was just standing up straight like, uh, okay, I'm done. Um So, yeah, he's dealing with some soreness today, and he is also day-to-day. 
Last night after the game, Kyle said that Brennan Ayuk could have probably played if the game were on Sunday. Uh, so I would expect Ayuk to be available in week four. And remember, the 49ers have a 10-day rest between today and their next game against the Arizona Cardinals. Basically a mini buy. So that is the one, you know, if we could find any positive about Thursday night football, that would be it. That if, you know, if you can come away with it without any major injuries, you get a little extra rest. So there's plenty of opportunity between now and week four for the 49ers to, you know, recharge just a little bit. What's up, guys? I see you putting the hashtag 49Ks in the comments. Appreciate it. Sin says, with all this offseason drama, we're winning the Super Bowl this year. Who You feel like the, the offseason drama was a good omen. Huh? Um, yeah, it, it very well could be. It's so weird because we were all very dramatic in the offseason. We're like, the vibes are off. Something is afoot. Uh, but it seems like after Trey Lance was traded to the Cowboys, it almost feels like there was a bit of a weight lifted off the 49ers' shoulders. At least that just felt like the big distraction the big thing that kept hanging over the 49ers right was that missed pick on Trey Lance now that he's no longer on the team it was like officially the 49ers moving on from it and and moving forward so yeah as you said Sim closure I think it gave them closure and yeah they could just move forward from there so that's the the positive of it um what's going on rj he says what's up steph can my boy mikey get a shout out he's now a niner fan wow he he switched bandwagons huh so he's a niner fan now shout out mikey um he knows what he's doing you know he he's enlightened teddy belcher says bosa seven tackles in three games after all this talk saying bosa wasn't doing anything right he's he's uh filling up the stat sheet in different ways. And he's, he's getting some opportunities for other guys as well. This whole defensive line, I think had a great game yesterday. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, but let's, let's go ahead and review this game. And before I really dive into it, I just want to say apologies because I might have to pause to like cough. I feel like I'm coming down with something or I might have to pause and drink my water. So, um, yeah, since it's just me today, I am doing a lot of talking. So just uh, bear with me here uh, as I try to get through this. But the good thing is my girlfriend's out of town for the weekend. So after this, I probably won't need to even talk for like the next 48 hours. So <laughs> I'll I'll also uh, be giving my my uh, voice a bye week. But all right, let, let's review this game now. Another 30-point game for this team. They've now accomplished 30 or more points in six straight regular season games dating back to last year. Teddy said I sound ter or sound miserable. Is it that bad, guys? I, I mean, I really just started feeling like uh, you know, my throat was a little scratchy earlier today. Um, <laughs> so I, I hope it's not too bad. God, I, I really didn't think it was that bad, but. All right, anyway, um, yeah, dating back to last season, the 49ers have scored 30 or more points six times in a row. Um, and I would say it was another balanced day on offense. The 49ers are the first team in NFL history to both rush and pass for at least 140 yards in eight 
consecutive games. So they are just beating teams left and right with the run, with the pass. They could do it any way you want. All right. The Giants try to blitz the hell out of Brock Purdy. They wanted to see what that looked like. Well, huh, I'll tell you what that looked like. Um, 141 y- yards rushing for this team yesterday, 300 yards passing for this team. And get this 201 of those 300 yards were after the catch. And that means the 49ers had more yards after the catch than the Giants had all game in total yardage. 49ers defense held the Giants to just 150 total yards. And we'll talk more about the defense in a bit because they were awesome. Let's stick on the offense here. I think there was a bit of a shock early on in this game on like how much the Giants were blitzing. And like it's not that the Giants didn't have a high blitz rate going into this game. They did, but the Giants ended up like blitzing Purdy close to 85% of his dropbacks. That has like never been done in like at least the last 10 years. So this was like a historical uh performance from Giants as it comes to the you know high blitz rate. So it, it seemed like the 49ers weren't expecting to see it that much. And it did cause some misfires early. And, you know, I, I as I do, I live tweet the games. I post my reactions and all that. Um, and so at one point, I said, Ronnie Bell's incredible, but there's going to be a lot of teaching tape for Brock Purdy in this game. And the exact, I remember the exact play, which I tweeted that it was when uh, I think he, he threw a pass to Debo. It got batted up into the air and Ronnie Bell, like just miraculously, the ball ends up, you know, kind of falling in his vicinity and Ronnie Bell makes the leap to get it. Um, And so after that, I was like, yo, Ronnie Bell's awesome, but Purdy's kind of he's kind of all over the place uh, early in this game. And look, I I just feel like the timing was out of whack for the offense. Some of the blitzes weren't picked up. I know Kyle mentioned that after the game as well. Um, And so Purdy had to get the ball out, I think, sooner than he would have liked. And so that first drive was kind of pretty ugly. There, There were a number of misses by Purdy. Uh, and, and credit to the Giants, too, because they were playing some really tight coverage. So I think that made it even more difficult for Purdy. At, you know, he was throwing into these tight windows and sometimes double coverage. Uh, and sometimes he was throwing it behind his guy, missing him completely. Look, despite this, they were able to drive down the field. Um, and that might have been in that first drive, maybe the best play of that drive was the third and eight completion of Juwan Jennings. And sure, it was a little bit behind Jennings on that one. Jennings made a great adjustment to like come back and get it and, you know, keep on moving, but that helped move the chains. And of course, Christian McCaffrey played a big role in, in moving the football early in this game as well. But, you know, like I, I just saw like people reacting and taking victory laps on, you know, what I said at, during a point in the game in which, you know, Brock Purdy at that point, like was kind of, you know, struggling. So I thought it was a little bit silly for people to then, you know, 
react to those tweets that I made like two hours before and, you know, say, Oh, he threw for 300 yards. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. Uh, I do want Brock Purdy to succeed. So anyway, credit to Brock, because like, even when he was missing guys, it's not like it was from a clean pocket. It's not like it wasn't tight coverage though. You know, like make that what you will. So uh, the 49ers, though, they were able to keep drives alive because Brock was locked in on third downs. You know, I mentioned the third and eight in that first drive. In the first half alone, Purdy, uh, on first and second downs, he was 7 of 15 for just 45 yards. On third down, though, he was 7 of 8 for 112 yards, and he had a touchdown. And so this is why they were still able to get into scoring position often. Three total drives ended up in field goals. Uh, you would have liked to see them punch those in, but there were improvements by the 49ers in the second half that I think like really helped them break away. And so another thing that I was like kind of disappointed about was, I don't know if you had heard before the game, but the Giants did not have any sacks in the first two weeks of the season. So I was like, oh, this you know offensive line is going to be great. Um, you know, they're probably not going to get any sacks on Brock. So they, Brock Purdy got sacked twice. I think both happened in the first half. So when that happened, I was like, oh, my God. And he's taking the sacks. Come on now. But you know what? He took the he took care of the football. And I think that's one of those underrated things that, you know, sometimes we take for granted. But of course, if a if a quarterback coughs up the football in any manner, fumble, interception, whatever it may be, that helps give momentum to the other team. Like, what did we see against the Rams last week when they got two interceptions on Matthew Stafford? That Those helped flip the game, you know? And and even later in this game, I think the game might have been decided at that point, but Teleno Funga had that interception on Daniel Jones. Um, and so my point is, taking care of the football – is a big deal. And Brock Purdy has done that very well through these first three weeks of the season and credit to him too, because he was getting the ball out quick 2.34 seconds times to throw last night. That's the quickest of his young career. He averaged 4.4 air yards per attempt. And I know what some of you Purdy haters are thinking. He is dink and dunk. No. I mean, no. I mean, I here's what I'll say about Brock Purdy. I think that he does what you need him to do in order to win games. Like, for, based on what I've seen, he can make adjustments. He can make in-game adjustments and credit to Kyle Shanahan because I know he works on him with that stuff too. On, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what they're doing. We're going to pivot to this. Um, I, I think we've seen Brock Purdy win uh, a number of different ways and tonight I mean last night he did something completely different something we hadn't seen him do before which was get the ball out in 2.34 seconds right so again he averaged uh 4.4 air yards per attempt that is not a lot but because the Giants were blitzing situationally it made sense that's how you beat the blitz so the 49ers, I thought, did a great job in making their adjustments. And another thing, like 40.5% of his throws were at or behind the line of scrimmage. And I mentioned the yards after the catch earlier. 
um, 8.04 yards after the catch uh, per catch is what the 49ers ended up with. So they were getting the ball out quickly. It, it was, you know, sp- small bit of air yards, but you you rely on your pass catchers who are so good at getting yards after the catch. You rely on those guys to do the heavy lifting in this case. And so it worked out. It worked out for the situation that the 49ers were in, the situation that the Giants were putting them in. They were basically saying, okay, try to beat this. And the 49ers said, okay, bet. And just like for context, those numbers that I just said, there's about half of what they had in the first two weeks of the season, those same metrics. In the first two weeks of the season, Purdy was averaging 8.4 air yards per attempt and 20.4% of his uh, attempts were at or behind the line of scrimmage and just 4.11 yards after the catch uh, per completion. And so that tells you right there just how drastically the 49ers had to pivot in an attempt to beat the Giants blitz. And I would say it worked out for them. So I, I know what we all saw in the first half and, I'm sure other teams were like, oh, look, look at Purdy. Like he's he's struggling. This is the way to beat Purdy. And then the second half, it it was the complete opposite. And teams probably like, oh man, he can beat the blitz too. Like, how do how do we beat this guy? How do we beat Brock Purdy? I don't we don't know yet because he still has not lost a game that he has started and finished. So That's what's so great about this team, though. I think they can beat you in so many different ways. Brock Purdy, I think, can, you know, adjust to any situation that a defense wants to put him in. And, man, uh, yeah, this offense could pretty much uh, band together. Uh, Let me me pause here to just catch up on some of these comments. You guys are keeping the the chat room popping, so I appreciate you guys. Um, Shout out Teddy. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, Sin says, I'm so glad we have a QB that wins, makes plays, and and who Kyle seems to love. Yeah, I mean, I think the trust that Kyle has in Brock Purdy is obvious because Kyle saw that first half and he was like, you're still going to keep throwing the football. I trust you to keep throwing the football because you're going to land those sooner or later. And guess what? He did. So, yeah, there's a lot of trust and there's a lot of reason to trust Brock Purdy, I think. and if he misses one throw, he's not going to let that affect the next throw. If he has a bad drive, he's not going to let that affect the following drive. So he has very short memory, I think, when it comes to like his bad plays. Um, and that's what allows him to, you know, move forward so quickly and, you know, remember who the hell he is. He's he's a dog. He's a dog. But really quickly, I just want to point this out. Um because when we talk about the offensive line, just remember that they benefited greatly from Purdy getting the ball out quickly as well. And so I was seeing these numbers from PFF. They had Spencer Burford with uh, four pressures allowed, and he did seem to struggle against Dexter Lawrence. That is the Giants' best defensive lineman. And uh, Jake Brendel, he allowed three pressures. Aaron Banks allowed three. Uh, Trent Williams and Colton McKivitz were not noted as allowing any pressures. So good for them. Although I will say like, I haven't seen all 22 yet. So 
I'll do that after this. But I don't know. I just want to, I guess I want to see it for myself. I want to take a deeper look at that. But I, considering how much the Giants were blitzing, I mean, those numbers aren't that bad. So anyway. All right. But Brock Purdy, in the second half, like he definitely settled in. And he was dicing up the Giants, again, to the tune of 25 of 37. Uh, so he threw the ball a ton in this one. 310 yards, again, aided uh, from the yards after the catch. But again, situationally, that's what they needed to do in order to win this game. So it worked out perfectly. And he also threw two inter- two, interceptions, two touchdowns, excuse me, no interceptions, two touchdowns. Um, and earlier this week, like we talked about how good Brock Purdy has been between 10 and 19 yards. And he continued that after last night, uh, six for seven, 115 yards and a touchdown in the intermediate level of the field uh, or between 10 and 19 yards. So through three weeks, he has a 90.5 completion percentage in, in the intermediate level. That's crazy. That's crazy. Dude is balling in that area of the field. He is cooking. And uh, here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say about Brock Purdy um, and, you know, dealing with the blitzes. He said, quote, after watching film, I was even more impressed than I felt last night after the game. And we missed a number of blitz pickups where we had some free hitters in his face, made a few mistakes, had a hell of a game, end quote. So, yeah, I think like the initial reaction from Kyle might have been the same as us watching like, okay, he had some misses, you know, in the early going of the game, but he cleaned it up. And like I said, I haven't watched all 22. I'm really excited because um, I, I think I might be more impressed with his performance after I watched the film too. So um, I'm going to do that. And another thing, I'm going to cut up all of Brock Purdy's throws into a video and post it on YouTube. So I hope to have that out by the end of uh, tonight. And, you know, we'll we'll just watch it on repeat all this weekend. Uh, But stay tuned for that. I'll drop it on my channel after this. Uh, Okay, let's talk about the pass catchers now, because as I mentioned, they did a lot of work in this one. Debo Samuel helps push this team in those moments when they really needed it. Like if there's any, any point where you feel like you need a momentum shifting play or just like a spark on offense, you give the ball to Debo and he knows what to do with it. He's, he's going to make a few guys miss. He's going to run over a few guys as he, you know, barrels his way to some extra yardage. He had 129 receiving yards yesterday, one touchdown, on a day where Ayuk was out, he definitely stepped up. And he looked like it he looks like a different guy than he did last year. He's averaging 82.3 yards receiving per game this season. Um he only did that once in 13 regular season games uh that he played last year. That was in week 4 against the Rams. So credit to Debo, man. He's he did a lot of work this offseason to get back to his at least like 2019 body, you know? Um, And so far it's really shown up in these games. So shout out to Debo and George Kittle, uh, who was pretty quiet 
as a pass catcher uh, in the first two games of the season. He came away with 90 yards of his own. All right. He's no slouch. He even batted a ball down that a Giants defender, uh, he was trying to make a play on the ball. So Kittle had to go in there and bat it down. He had a little like seat belt, you know, strap celebration on that one. Uh, a lot of people love that. But let's not forget about Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell. He had a few welcome to the NFL moments. And usually, usually when when people say a rookie had a welcome to the NFL moment, it's usually bad. But Ronnie Bell's were all great. This dude belongs in the league. He makes an incredible play on special teams, on punk coverage, wraps up his guy right away, um, makes his first NFL catch. That was also his first NFL touchdown. And... You know, I mentioned it earlier. He had that one catch that wasn't intended for him. It was intended for Debo, but it got batted up in the air. The tight coverage there. And then Ronnie Bell leaps up in the air to snag it, secure it, keep it from getting picked up from the Giants, saved an interception possibly. And so, um, you know, shout out Ronnie Bell. He is such a Niner. I mean, he has great blocking that we've already seen on tape, too. I, I really like this kid. I know he gets more uh, opportunities with Ayuk out in this one, but I could see him forcing his way onto the field more often. Like, I I want to see more. Just just a little bit more of Ronnie Bell. He's a dude. Um, and Christian McCaffrey. Like, there's... There's so much and so little at the same time that you can say about Chris McCaffrey because he's so good that it's like, I just feel like I'm repeating myself every single time I talk about McCaffrey. He's always so good. It's kind of like Fred Warner. It's like those guys that like, you can set your watch to them being so good. And you can say the same things over and over about them in every single game, it seems like. Chris McCaffrey had 18 carries, 85 yards, a touchdown. And he's now tied with Jerry Rice for consecutive games with a touchdown at 12 games. Um, that's the franchise record, at least. I just know that if you're tied with Jerry Rice and anything, you're doing something right, really right. And uh, we have now a 16-game sample size of Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco. This is what it looks like. 1,948 scrimmage yards, 16 total touchdowns. He's putting up generational numbers for a running back um, in this offense, right? So McCaffrey, if if he keeps it up, man, I this is this is an all pro year for Christian McCaffrey, I think. I just hope he stays healthy all year. I know a big part of that was like trying to um, make sure that his volume doesn't get too crazy. So he had crazy amount of volume um, in that week two game against the Rams. They dialed it back a bit against uh, the Giants. And I believe we saw, I'm trying to remember how many carries we saw for Elijah Mitchell, but enough. I saw I saw enough of Elijah Mitchell where I was like, okay, all right, they're 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 taking care of McCaffrey here. You love to see that. And I mean, Elijah Mitchell's pretty good in his own right too. So. Uh, you feel good about this running game. Oh man, break time. I got to remind you guys, like this video if you haven't yet. Subscribe the channel if you have not yet. Appreciate you guys. 
All right. Let's get into the defense. All right. The defensive line is so good. I don't care what anyone is saying on social media. Uh, they were talking crazy about Nick Bosa after last week because he wasn't getting any sacks. Man, I want to talk about one guy in particular, though. We will talk about Bosa, but I want to talk about this one guy in particular. Javon Kinlaw last night was great. He was great. He led the team in pass rush win rate, 33.3% of his uh, true pass rushing snaps. He won. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for a defensive tackle. Um, And what was cool in this game was that they lined him up out there as a fifth defensive lineman. And not only did it help get pressure on Daniels, but I think, sorry, Daniels, Daniel Jones. uh, But I think it also helped seal off those like running lanes that Daniel Jones usually, like if he sees those, he does not hesitate. He will, he will go up any lanes that he sees and he will run and he, he could pick up first downs that way too. So I think it was a really good game plan from the 49ers is credited Steve Wilkes um, for doing that because I, I do think it, it helped them a lot, um, you know, keep Daniel Jones in check as a runner and Jones only ended up with five rushing yards. So I would say they were pretty successful um, in in keeping him in check. And I think having Javon Kinlaw out there as sort of just like one extra plug um, in those rushing lanes, you know, definitely helped. And he was productive in it. He wasn't just a body out there. He was he was doing his thing. Um, And so Daniel Jones, he also took two sacks, no touchdowns for him. We already talked about the interception. Uh, 137 passing yards for Jones. So he wasn't doing a whole lot and credit to this defensive line. Um, he had one, one of those sacks that he took was from Nick Bosa pin, pinned them against their own goal line. Uh, I believe that was after Ronnie Bell's special teams play. Uh, Cause they were pinned up pretty well up against their goal line already, but the sack you know, definitely help that. I thought it should have been a safety. All right. I'm a die on that hill. That should have been a safety, but whatever, I guess. And um, the other sack that Daniel Jones took was from Javon Hargrave, a guy who Daniel Jones is probably very familiar with from his time in Philly. And you would have thought that the Giants by now would have learned their lesson. Um, Maybe they could have double teamed Hargrave more. I don't know, but he was beating his guy consistently. Uh, so credit to him. Kinlaw too was beating this guy. Armstead, three of those interior guys had at least three pressures last night. They are dangerous. This is like a revamped defensive line that we're seeing, where it's not just the edge guys and Armstead. That all everyone on that line is dangerous. Anyone on that line could have a sack on any given like quarterback drop back. Um, the cool stat here is that the 49ers have three of the top seven defense defensive tackles in the NFL, um, in pressures through three weeks. Okay. The caveat there is that most, most other teams haven't played their third game yet, but as it stands right now, until they do, uh, we'll see how it holds up after Sunday. But as of right now, 
uh, I, I would say Javon Hargrave is probably keeping his spot. He is tied with Dexter Lawrence at 13 pressures. Kinlaw has 10 pressures this season, and Eric Armstead has nine. These guys are working. They are working, and like it's just such a great bonus. It's such a great asset to be able to have like pressure from the interior. Um, and so again, I'm really happy for Kinlaw. I mean, he's he's worked through those injuries. It, it like it, in the early going of his career, it just felt like his body just kind of failed him. Like his knees were failing him. And so I feel like this off season, he he really did everything in his power to turn his health around and so far it's working out for him. Let's let's knock on wood if it's around you. I think right there um yeah, but I I love this for him. He's he's doing it. He had 11 pressures in 2021 and 2022 combined on 220 pass rushing snaps. That's not good. Like dude was struggling. Um but I think also like there was a point in time in those those two years where you know, the 49ers were also relying on him to be the guy in the interior and now he doesn't have to be that instead like He's kind of like this complimentary piece, sometimes rotational. Yesterday we saw him there quite a bit, but you know, I, I think anything he could give you at this point is a bonus. And we're seeing that bonus. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm really happy for uh Kinlaw. He already has, as I mentioned, 10 uh pressures on this short season on 62 pass rushing snaps. So Huge, huge improvement um, from the last few years. Uh, good for him, man. Yeah, uh, Technic Sheik said, gotta love the Kinlaw redemption arc. We love to see it. Dude, um, I mean, it's a it's a contract year for Kinlaw. That, that might be giving him the extra juice, too. I really don't think he'll be back with the 49ers. It depends what his market's going to look like after this season. I know it's probably too early to even say. It's only week three. But uh, I, I kind of feel like the 49ers not picking up his fifth-year option might have closed the door on him coming back. But who knows? If he has a great season, you know, they they might want to roll that dice again. I don't know. Um, but let's see. Teddy Belcher says, uh, Steph needs blonde hair dye. Lombardi needs a nose job. And Grant needs to see the dentist. Why do I need blonde hair dye? As for the other two, I, I mean, I don't care what you think about them, but why do I need blonde hair dye? That would look so weird. In fact, I've I've toyed with the idea before, and I'm like, I asked my girlfriend, like, should I dye my hair blonde? And she's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> she shut that down. So, no, I'm not getting blonde hair dye anytime soon. Um, but anyway, yeah, like this this entire defensive line, I think, is is playing at a really high level right now. Uh, they notched 23 total pressures against the Giants last night, four quarterback hits, 17 hurries. Um, I Nick Bosa called it like the defense's best collective performance. Um, that I mean, that's pretty high praise. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think I'd have to think about some other performances that they've had. They've had some really good ones, especially in the playoffs. I think about like their performances against Aaron Rodgers, for example. But yeah, I mean, it, it was up there. You know what I think it is for him to say that 
I think he's probably taken into account that like this, this was probably their best performance against a quarterback that's considered mobile because they've been gashed by other mobile quarterbacks in the past. So this hands down was their best performance against a mobile quarterback. They had a really good plan in place to keep him in check and it worked. And aside from that, they weren't just stopping him as a rusher. They they stopped him as a passer too. Daniel Jones wasn't able to really do much of anything in this game. So, yeah, a shout out to them. Talano Hufunga had an interception as well. Oren Burks played a solid game. I thought Isaiah Oliver, um, you know, he kept up a pretty solid performance uh, from the previous week, and I was happy to see him out there as a starting nickel again. And I think he's keeping that spot. I think he is. So um, good for him. And and hopefully he does continue to be a solid piece at, at the nickel uh, because that could help unlock this defense even further. So, oh, man, that's that's pretty much all I had, though. Like, as far as breaking down this game, uh, it's Friday night. Again, I appreciate all you guys that tuned in and spent part of your Friday night with me. I really appreciate that. Make sure that you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Come on, people. Let's get those likes up. Um, <laughs> and have a great weekend. As I said, this weekend is about touching grass because we don't have to worry about – we're not stressed about what the 49ers are going to do this weekend because they already won their game. And so now we're just going to enjoy football, uh, watch our fantasy teams, hopefully win, and have a good time. We're not going to be stressed. So, you know, enjoy your weekend. Have a good rest of your Friday, folks. But for now, peace.